one thing I learned is, you know, I, I was afraid after I counseled the second one, no one is going to want to work with me because I, I, you know, you see all these people closing deals and I'm not closing anything. But what happened was people actually started approaching a little more and they appreciated the fact that I was putting their interest because some of my partners are coming in with a lot of capital and the fact that they saw or they felt that I was taking care of their hard earned money. I think they appreciate it and they stuck with me. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome. You're in for a treat today, baby. This guy just doesn't give up. He got the first deal in the contract when COVID, March, week of March 18th. And he's going to tell you about a wild ride he's been on. Mauricio Roque is in with me today. How are things? Where are you? California, Texas? Arizona? Where, where are you at? Yes, sir. I'm in uh, sunny California. Thanks for having me, Jerome. I'm a big fan of the show. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for joining us today. So we do things a little unconventional. How can the listeners get in contact with you? Uh, the best way would be uh, through our website, which is brickstoneinvestmentgroup.com. Or uh, I'm also very active on Facebook. Just uh, look for my name, Mauricio Roque. Love it. All right. So now that we got the housekeeping out the way. Let's talk a little bit about you and your background. Tell the listeners who you are, where you are, what you've been doing. Well, I do. Uh, I've been doing residential real estate for the past seven years. It's a, it's a great career. It's very rewarding. Uh, I love working with first time home buyers, and uh, it's it's a great feeling when you give a family the keys to their their first home. And uh, but then you know you you drive home, and it's a great feeling. But the next day you have to do everything all over again, right? And nothing wrong with that. But there's uh, some of us that like things a little bit different and would like some changes. And uh, I started pursuing or looking for a way to create uh, any type of passive income. And I knew I wanted it to be through real estate, of course. So I stumbled amongst uh, multifamily and uh, I just, it, it everything clicked. At that point, I just couldn't even sleep. And I knew I ha- this had to be it for me. Wow. So you got bit by the bug and bit hard, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, I as soon as I, I, I realized that that I could be part owner of something so massive as a 20, 30 unit building. I, I mean, massive, because when you're here in California, 20 units is, is massive. It's, I mean, you're talking a lot of money. So it, it just blew my mind when I learned more that I could actually be the owner of a 50 unit building. And the whole business made sense. There's a huge need for rents. People pay the rents. You manage the business and you get returns. It, it, it's just uh, amazing to me. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So I assume once you got the bug, like you got bit by the bug, you just bought a deal and then you bought another deal and you've made a ton of money and you don't have to sell real estate anymore. And it's a happy ever after story, right? Uh, yes, uh, that's uh, that's how it was when I drew it out. And, and when I <laughs> when I planned it, as your listeners already know, uh, things are not always the way you plan it. And I mean, I love your show because when I started looking at multifamily, all I heard was these perfect stories. And when I started doing all the work myself and I started hitting walls, I I couldn't find 
anyone to relate to. It, it was very difficult to find the stories or what did somebody do when this happened. So it, it was very challenging. Wow. Okay. So did you were you successful closing on your first deal you put on a contract? Unfortunately, I wasn't. So we we uh, I was looking at a different market. I was looking in in Phoenix. I was putting offers every two weeks. I was flying or driving out there every month, and uh, I kept getting crushed with my offers just because the market is is very competitive out there. I switched markets, and as soon as I did, uh, I started getting a lot of traction. So I was able to get an offer accepted on March third of twenty twenty. And uh, that was a week before my daughter was born because we had my daughter was going to be born on March 12th. So I flew out there, actually, believe it or not. And I uh, told the broker, look, I'm, I'm bringing you the LOI in person a week before my daughter is born. So I hope this shows you and it shows the seller how serious I am. And he said, you know what, I, I, I got to get it handed to you. So we signed the LOI at the moment, accepted the offer. And uh, at the moment, I mean, we heard COVID and something, you know, it's, it's a little strange. Uh, there's some danger here and there, but we were not expecting what happened the following week. So uh, unfortunately, it, it did not go the way we wanted. Wow. Okay. So you canceled the contract. Did you lose money? Like how'd it go? Well, at first, I mean, we were at the hospital when uh, the lockdown happened, when national emergency and everything was declared. We were actually, the, that's the day that we were leaving the hospital when, I mean, the hotel, the hospital was on lockdown. I couldn't even go out to get coffee. We couldn't have our families visit. And uh, it was one of those things where I disconnected from everything and got finally got home. And a couple of days later, I started thinking, oh, wow, what's going to happen with the deal? And uh, same thing happened with the broker, with the seller. Everyone was just trying to wrap their heads around the, the pandemic. And we tried to manage it. We tried to make it work. But at the time, Jerome, back in late March, everyone was so afraid. There is, And we had our inspection schedule. There's no way tenants would allow one inspector to go from one unit to another one and another one touching everything, right? So we tried to extend it. Uh, the, I think the seller was in a little bit of a financial trouble. He kept asking us for more and more money. Suddenly, he wanted an, an extra hundred grand non-refundable deposit just for extending the inspection period for another two weeks. And it, it, it's just very difficult. I was trying to find answers, but at the time, no one really had answers on, on, on what to do. So what did you do? We unfortunately had to send a cancellation. After a month of negotiating, lending also got very difficult. As you remember, suddenly Fannie and Freddie, they were requiring 12 months in reserves. It's just, we couldn't make the deal work. I think the seller was in a lot of trouble and he wanted a lot of money from us. And it just, it wasn't in our best interest or, or our investors. So unfortunately, we had to, we had to walk away from it. That was a, a tough one, but we had to do it. Did you lose any money? Uh, we uh, just attorney fees about I think it was like six, seven grand in attorney fees. Thankfully, it was refundable. We had to back out because we were just being pushed uh, to the point where if we waited another two or three days, the deposit would become non-refundable. So our attorney and our lender, everyone advised, you know, you guys are about to lose a lot of money if you keep going. So it's it's better just to just to walk away and take a hit. So better to lose five or six grand in attorney fees than a hundred grand in deposit. Without question. And so most people think like none of the money's at risk when they start going on due diligence in a property. And so I really appreciate you being open and 
honest about the fact that like once you change your mind, there is going to be some money that was is not going to be recouped, especially if you've engaged an attorney or made an application fee with the lender or gave part money to the owner of the property to show them that you're serious. And so did you quit? Did you give up and decide you weren't going to do it anymore since you lost a little bit of money on the first one? Yeah, well, at the time, also travel expenses. I mean, there's it was a little bit more, so there there are some expenses, and you have to be ready to take that hit. At the time, I mean, we couldn't travel anymore, so uh, we started networking a lot. And uh, through networking, I found a partner that was in that market. So obviously, I had a newborn; I wasn't going to get on a plane. And we ended up finding another property. It was a smaller property. We were going to do a joint venture. My friend was going to do the work and and my other friends that are here in California and I were going to fund it. It looked like a great property. We got about $150,000 off the uh, purchase price uh, and we got under contract. Everything looked good until we started peeking under the hood and we started looking at the numbers. And it was one of those properties, I'm sure you heard similar stories where the owner had everything on paper, just like a little notepad. And when we started comparing the numbers, nothing matched. And oh, no. uh, yeah, not, not really, nothing really matched. I mean, we looked at the the, the, the returns, what was owed. Uh, we looked at the, the deposits and nothing really matched. It seemed as if he was getting a lot of funds, cash. And but at the same time, the lender said, look, if, if this guy's getting this much money in cash, why would he sell the property? And if he's lying, you guys are going to be in a lot of trouble. So it took uh, another set of uh, uh, attorney fees <laughs> and uh, another round of negotiation. And that one was uh, a, a more, I would say, easier decision to say, hey, you know what? This just financially doesn't make sense. I mean, we we decided to. To walk away from that one as well. Whoa. So right too. <laughs> how did I mean, so you were under contract and then you were how did you decide on the LOI or the contract price without having the actuals or proof that the actuals were real? Yeah, well, we spoke to the broker and, and he said, like, this guy is old fashioned. He has everything in notepads. This is what I have. But, you know, he won't release more info until there is a commitment. Right. And it's understandable. So that's what we thought, look, we can make it work at this price. And we still had some contingencies thinking, look, if the numbers are off by a good 10, 15%, we can still manage it at this price. So that's how we put in the offer. And uh, we had already started the loan applications. Uh, it was going to do a re- be a recourse loan. And we already had the, the property manager, et cetera, et cetera. But when we looked at the numbers, it was way off. To give you an example, let's just say someone says they bring 100,000 and you look at the numbers and it's 18. So just to give you an idea. It was complete, um, it, and it it wasn't really that off. He was probably getting, let's just hypothetically say, seventy or so. But on paper, it was very little. So uh, um, the lender said, "Look, I, I can't finance it." I looked for other lenders. I could not find, for the life of me, any lender that would take that loan. A lot of people want to be profitable multifamily operators, but lack the knowledge, deal flow, experience, and capital to be successful. They often try to overcome these challenges out of order, slowing or eliminating their ability to get their next deal done. We've developed a framework that allows them to gain the knowledge they need to find profitable deals. When they do, they create the time and location for you, as well as the generational wealth they desire for their family. The Myers methods of multifamily investing have proved to be the fastest way to establish credibility and properly grow an apartment portfolio. 
If you want to know more about our four-step process, jump over to MyUseMethods.com to get our free four-step guide to getting into multifamily everyone kept saying the same thing like we can't finance this. this this doesn't make sense either this guy is is lying to you or he's lying to the irs but he's lying to someone <laughs> and uh that one didn't take that long it was about uh two weeks so the attorney fees were not as high as the first one and uh, we didn't travel there so my friend did so we we also took a hit but it wasn't that much i think it was about 20 Five twenty eight hundred, but we just decided, look, we, we can't make this one work. There, there's no way. And we found out eventually it sold about uh, three months later as a land purchase because they couldn't find any lender who would finance it. Love it. So you made the right choice, it sounds like. Uh, it, it, yeah. I, I, at the time, I mean, we were on the first one, it was tough because it was circumstances that were out of our control. On the second one, it, it was a, a easy decision to make after looking at, at the numbers. But when you take a hard look at the numbers, it just didn't make sense. So did you have partners on these deals? Like, were there other people who were going to put money in and were they getting frustrated or were you scared you were going to lose them along the way? Oh, absolutely. I think it was more me being concerned. One thing I learned is, you know, I, I was afraid after I counseled the second one, no one is going to want to work with me because I, I, you know, you see all these people closing deals and I'm not closing anything. But what happened was people actually started approaching a little more and they appreciated the fact that I was putting their interest because some of my partners are coming in with a lot of capital and the fact that they saw or they felt that I was taking care of their hard-earned money, I think they appreciated it and they stuck with me. Wow. 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 So you Not being, what I was expecting. <laughs> so you being open and honest with the folks, it seems like is kind of the recipe for success. Is do you feel like that's true? I would say so. I, I mean I would I would agree a hundred percent on that because I one thing I, I, I've heard and and you know in, in residential real estate you're taught to give all the information because if you don't everything can come back and bite you and there's a lot of liability so i brought the same mentality so no matter what happened whether it was good or bad my job was to relay the information to everyone even when we knew that the loan would be recourse loan i got on the phone with all my partners with our lender for about an hour so they could ask all their questions it was out in the open there's no only one person will ask and the other one i mean just out in the open. The, the more communication you have, the more clear it is. I think it, it's it's a lot better. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So did you try again or did you just give up after that one? Because I mean, we're like 10 grand in the hole right now, man. Yeah. 10 grand in the hole in like, I think uh, seven months uh, trying. Uh, well, at, at that time, I mean, I there was a lot of uh, doubt, of course. Hey, is, am I in the right business? Is this really it? But at the same time, there's also the other side of the coin, which I was this much closer, like I got this much closer. So it, it's just around the corner. And I decided to focus on that part. And I just kept going. I, I I was talking to a lot of people. I was driving and I received a text message from a seller that I had sent probably like four or five offers to his properties in the past. And he said, hey, this property is about to follow a restaurant. Are you still interested? And I immediately said, yes. I spoke to my partners. We sent an LOI that night. And uh, we were able to get that one under contract, the the third one, of course. And uh, it turned out to be a, a much better deal than the other two. Really? Tell me more. What made it a better deal? Well, first, uh, the location. It was in a in a really nice area, uh, in a, in a good neighborhood. 
it was not a big value add. I mean, it was just a light renovations. I mean, they had some vacancies due to some roof leaks. So we talked to the manager and he said, look, if you guys, this guy has too much money, he's focused on big properties. If you guys just fix this part, we're able to bring vacancies this much lower. So it wasn't anything crazy where we have to go and rip carpets and cabinets and do all these changes to the units. And uh, the numbers made sense. We did the inspection, we did uh, uh, the loan. I mean, we went through the whole process. We had some bumps on the road towards the end, but it worked out really well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. So no real challenges though? Nothing there? I know you're getting ready to send some checks. That's the exciting (laughs) part. Yeah. I mean, we, we did have some challenges at the at first. I mean, the deposit ended up being three times as, as high because we had to get some extensions. One of the extensions was due to environmental. I guess they did a test and it's very common in the Midwest where they find something and there's evidence that there might have been a, a laundry 50 years ago and maybe some solvents were disposed the, the wrong way. So that created a a lot of paperwork, a lot more expenses. It cost us about 18 grand more in uh, reports and set everything back about a month and a half. But other than that, I mean, we made it work. Love it. So what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? Like, there's somebody listening to this right now because this is the first time we've talked about finding a deal. And they're like, man, I don't know if I got the stomach to lose 10 grand and trying to find a deal. Like, what do I do? Like, what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? Well, I didn't think I had the stomach to lose that much. Trust me, uh, and not at all. I, I never thought. I mean, I was trying to be extremely careful not to lose any money, but at the same time, this is a, a, a serious business, and you're you're uh, you could lose money just like in any business. The difference here is that the rewards are you can predict what the rewards are. So at that point, you can weigh it out. Okay, I might lose five grand here, but if I close a property of this similar size, the reward would be that much higher and I'm this much closer. So what I would say to anyone listening that's looking for deals, I mean, I this was probably my LOI number 30-something, the, the one that I finally got accepted. And it, it's just a numbers game. I mean, you, as long as you know this business is for you, it's just a numbers game. Just keep going, keep going, turn the page, keep going, keep going and try to find people that have had some challenges because success is easy to find. But people that have had challenges, that's who you learn from the most. I love it. Have you changed your due diligence process at all to make sure that there isn't capital at risk prematurely? I think that the due diligence, we did it the right way, I would say, because uh, I mean, you, you try to do as much before you you hire an attorney, of course, but there's only so much a seller will, is able to give you. I think what we have changed, one of the changes that we've made is uh, we've added to the RPA uh, or to the purchase agreement that if there is any environmental issues, the seller will pay for those reports because we were not prepared for that. And it, it cost us a lot of money. Like I said, it was total about 10, about 18 grand. Whoa. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. You can put in your contract that the seller takes care of environmental reports. That's outstanding, yeah, man. That, Great. That's, that's, that's what the attorney told us. And, and I did find afterwards, I found a buddy of mine who was doing deals in Canada, in Ontario, and he had the same issues, except that in Canada, it's a lot more expensive. So he said he was the one who told me I, that he put it in the contract. Then I spoke to a couple of folks and they said, yeah, I, I've seen it a lot. So if there's any issues, 
for environmental phase two, you should put it on the contract that the seller would pay for it. Got it. Got it. So we're going to wrap it up. Mauricio, thank you so much for sharing with our listeners. You've had some amazing journeys and congratulations on getting that thing across the finish line. And I can't wait to see some pictures of people with checks smiling because they got in the deal and you guys are performing. That's outstanding, man. They're coming very soon. Thank you for having me, Jerome. Like I said, I've been a big fan of the show and I, I, I love what you do. I love, uh, love to hear the challenges that other folks are having. It helps everyone grow. Outstanding. And to the listeners, it packs with you. We'll talk soon. You made it to this juncture. So you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.